From Wisp Politics in Madison, you're listening to Capital Chats. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a Wisp Politics Capital Chats podcast brought to you by Spectrum. I'm Adam Kelnhofer, your host, and today I am joined by my colleague, Kate Morton, who's bringing us an interview she just did with Democratic Milwaukee Representative Lakeisha Myers. So, Kate, what did you and Representative Myers get to talk about? Yeah, Adam. So Representative Myers and I mostly talked about redistricting. She recently voted with Republicans on a bill that they say models Iowa-style redistricting, something that all of her Democratic colleagues voted to oppose. So we kind of talked about that and her thoughts on Evers People's Maps Commission, which she kind of argued diluted Black and Latino votes. Well, that definitely sounds like an interesting conversation. So let's just get right into it. Well, thank you, Representative Myers, for joining me on Capital Chats. Okay. Um, I just want to ask you a couple of questions about uh, redistricting. So as you know, the Republicans introduced a bill inspired the, by the Iowa-style redistricting, which is something you supported. Maybe you could tell me a little bit about your vote and your thoughts on that. Sure. My initial thought about the bill, I looked at the bill uh, AB 415 in comparison to other redistricting bills that have been uh, introduced in the past, uh, primarily by Democrats, um, since 2003. And when looking at AB 415, included in that model was about 80% of what we had asked for um, in the past. So it was an interesting uh, perspective for me to understand that the temperature of our caucus was not too engage and to um, kind of dismiss the fact that this was a viable piece of legislation. Um, I n- never take that to chance because anything that is introduced could possibly become law. Um, and I think that looking at redistricting and the hot button issue that it is, it has been uh, something that both Democrats and Republicans in the constituency have asked us to look into because it's something that the public uh, wants to see kind of dealt with. Um, from an equity perspective, as far as a map, people don't want to have district districts broken, um, in the middle of neighborhoods where, you know, you go to one polling location, but the people who live across the street from you are in an entirely different district and they go to vote at a different school and you all have lived in across the street from each other for 30 years. So there are instances where that happens in neighborhoods and that polling locations are different and all of those things. Um, So people want us to do something about that. And I think it's our constitutional responsibility to actually deal with redistricting. So I thought that we had a a fighting chance um, with 415 being introduced. Um, And luckily, uh, Representative Ortiz and uh, Representative um, Cabrera were a part of the uh, amendment writing process. There were seven amendments that were drafted uh, and presented for passage with, uh, in addition to the original legislation. So that would help to make the bill better. Um, and so that was one of the reasons that I voted for it was that so that it could live on to, you know, for another day in the different chamber, hopefully getting some of the things that we did not see in the traditional process, like a public hearing, um, having expert testimony come in and tell us how we could make this the best possible bill for redistricting as possible. Um, One of the arguments um, that I've noticed from even individuals in my own caucus was about trying to jeopardize the current court case that's going on. Um, 
that was never the intent. And I don't think that is something that um, would possibly happen, that is that the court case could be jeopardized. The judiciary has their ability to give reprieve and redress at their level. And if the arguments are still the same, it would not matter what the legislature is doing because we are constitutionally responsible for drafting and creating laws and with redistricting specifically, we have to create a process to get to an equitable map. So that is our duty to do that. So if we are actively working on this process, it would not jeopardize any redress that could be given with the current map um, at the judiciary level. And that was my understanding of that process. So there was no harm um, in working on something that was different from what uh, is currently before the court or being argued before the court. Um, so that was that, that's pretty much where I was. Yeah. You mentioned the possible discussion on the Senate side. Have you spoken to any of your Dem colleagues in the Senate about their thoughts on it? Do you think they would maybe support it on that side or even the Republicans? Um, I've not talked to any Republican senators uh, yet about the bill. Um, I did talk to Senator Taylor um, in earnest. She has been working on redistricting probably for the balance of her career which has been 20 years in trying to make sure that we have equitable maps. So I know she was very interested in the process, um, trying to get us to a viable process to get to a better map outcome. Um, she, you know, is someone who actually spent her own money out of pocket to fight for redistricting the last go round when it was in the uh, federal court system um, by becoming, uh, you know, an amicus um, uh, brief respondent in that particular respect. So I know that she's interested in this process. I know she has um, had her own conversations with folks on the Senate side, trying to get them to uh, come to a consensus on what it is that they're looking for to, to reach um, some type of agreement. Um, so hopefully that is possible. Okay. Um, I also wanted to bring up previously with the People's Maps Commission with Governor Evers, you've been kind of a vocal critic of that and had concerns about that, you know, deleting black votes and the Latino vote, did that play into how you felt about it this time around? With this Absolutely. I think that is always um, one of the, the, the lenses in which I approach legislation uh, because, you know, when you think about people of color making up roughly about 10% total of the population, African-Americans making about 6.2% of the population in Wisconsin, um, Hispanics, the other portion of that, and then Asians with like 2% of our population in the state. Those are concentrated communities, depending on where you look at across the state. Mm -hmm. um, so primarily, the majority of African Americans that live in Wisconsin live in Milwaukee County. Um, so that is why you see so many African American representatives that are from the Milwaukee area. Not to say that Dane County doesn't have a large black population. They do, but that has only been within recent years that that population has ballooned to such where you see a Sheila Stubbs or you see a Samba Balde representing, um, you know, districts that are still primarily white um, in, in communities in Dane County. So I think when you look at that, looking at the way population increases have changed, we are looking at a situation where there actually should be um, another seat drawn for a predominantly Latino situation because they have more numbers and a higher concentration of, of population 
in the state. And it would be somewhere close to Milwaukee in that area. Um, when you look at drawing effective maps and what that would look like, or even a uh, predominantly Latino Senate seat um, is something that you have to account for when you look at the apportionment process. Um, so that is something that I look for. Um, I went along with it. Um, the people's map, because everybody said, okay, that would be a great thing. Let people actually draw maps. However, one thing that we learned from that process was that you could not just have anyone as far as an individual without prior knowledge and understanding of apportionment, of redistricting, of the Voting Rights Act, um, in a room to draw an effective map. And that was one of the flaws with the People's Map Commission. Um, in the final uh, iteration of the maps that the People's Map Commission put forward, if you look at uh, District 4, specifically, that's Senator Taylor's district currently, um, if you look at the way that district was drawn, that district went from the lakefront through the city of Milwaukee and across and up and northwest up to Menominee Falls, like Main Street Menominee Falls. There is no way you can tell me people on the lakefront, on Lake Drive, folks in 53206 Milwaukee, and the people in Main Street and Menominee Falls have all the same uh, socioeconomic background. They have the same political, you know, affiliations, that they have the same ideologies of what is important. Um, we know that's not true. So you have to take into consideration a preponderance of the individuals who live in a community to get them an individual that would best represent that area. And I think if you look at the way the People's Map Commission maps were drawn, that particular seat in general was spread across three counties. So that makes, I mean, you have, you know, Milwaukee County, Waukesha County, and I think Washington County, because that's Menominee Falls. So looking at that, a district spread across three counties that's in a highly concentrated area, it doesn't make sense to be that low, uh, to have that spread, the county spread out that way when you have the population of people that are closely compacted together in those areas. That just doesn't make sense. Um, so I think with a, I questioned um, the process of the People's Map Commission, not the people themselves who were commissioned to draw the maps, but the level of education and background information that they were given about the parameters in which the map should have been drawn. There were, the, the case was dropped because it violated the Voting Rights Act. I'm never going to be in favor of any map that violates the Voting Rights Act because I think it's important. Um, it, it is um, a mechanism that gives people equity and fairness when it comes to making sure that their voices are heard. Um, I'm never going to be with a any type of map that would dilute African-American or Hispanic representation. Because again, I think that is very important that communities of color that are highly compacted together um, should have the ability um, to elect individuals who look like them. Um, I think that part is important as well because there is a different prism that you bring to the table when you are a person of color. There are certain other uh, nuances and conversations that you can bring to a conversation that others may not have. There's a different perspective that is not there um, when, when you have a person of color that's at the table that's answering those questions. Um, so I, th those were my concerns with that particular process. Yeah, I guess looking forward, are you hopeful that there will be maps, whether it's through this lawsuit or part nonpartisan redistricting, that will more accurately reflect those Black and Latino populations? Yes. And my overarching hope, 
I'm an eternal optimist to a certain extent in, in understanding that this is doable and that that's what we were sent here to do. I may not get everything I want with every piece of legislation, but I do want to work with people and come to a consensus on something that is doable and presumably fair for all people involved. And we know that allowing us as legislators to draw a map, even if it were me, I'm going to be as fair as I can, but I may try to tip the scale for my, you know, it's just, it goes with the job. We are partisan legislators, so you do have to pick a side. Um, so you usually try to do what's best for your team. And both sides have been guilty of gerrymandering. I think we understand that. But trying to do something that is equitable and fair, the Legislative Reference Bureau writes all of the and drafts all of the laws that we create every day. I can come up with an idea, but I'm going to call LRB to make it so. And they're going to put what my idea is on paper and into the same legal jargon that it needs to have so that it can be effectively written into statute correctly. That's their job. Um, and that's a nonpartisan office that we can, you know, help move through that process. So I don't have a problem with that portion. Um, I think when we look at this process and try to move forward, we have to be engaged. You have to play the game to even get a tenth of what you want. Um, and I think that's what I said on the floor is, is making that awareness. Okay. I think it's easy for the general public to see it as, Oh, you traded, you, you know, voted with Republicans. Well, I voted with Republicans to get a lot of my own bills passed because Democrats do not have the numbers alone to pass anything in this bill. And I think the public has to understand that. So there has to be consensus. There has to be a crossing of the aisle. There have to be, um, you know, a merging of ideas. You know, everybody gives and takes, and then you come up with something that works for the people. And I think that's where we are. So hopefully moving into the Senate, um, there will be greater conversation. There will be more negotiations. There will be, um, you know, amendments to the bill, and that when it comes back to us, it will be something that everybody can get on board with. So that's the hope. All right, Kate, thanks for bringing us that interview. It was a pleasure to have Lakeisha Myers on the show. If our listeners want to read more about this battle over redistricting or a litany of lawsuits related to redistricting or other issues in Wisconsin, they can head over to our website at wispolitics.com. But for now, I'm Adam Kelnhofer. I'm Kate Morton. Thanks for tuning in to WIS Politics Capital Chats, brought to you by Spectrum.